0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Now We're Talking. I'm Nob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So in the last few episodes, I've been mostly talking about becoming a reflective practitioner of communication, and I call that the key to improving all of your communication skills. And I've tried to talk about some relatively simple uh, components of becoming a reflective practitioner of communication. So here in episode 85, I want to sort of continue that trend and talk about i think something that is uh really simple uh on its surface but is actually really hard to get to do reflectively and that's because it's so normally so habitual or so automatic in our communicative practices and that's what's called paraverbal communication or or tone um so that today, we'll talk about what paraverbal, paraverbal communication is, and in particular, we'll talk about tone and why it's important. Um, so paraverbal communication is about how you say something, not just what you say it. So um, it's mostly has to do with three components, uh, pitch, rate, or, or speed, and tone. Those are the three components of how you normally say something. And in earlier episodes, obviously, I've talked about word choice. I talk about word choice all the time with my students. I think word choice is incredibly important, but this is the opposite of word choice. It doesn't It doesn't matter what word you pick. You inevitably, if you're speaking, you're going to, or if you're writing, frankly, it doesn't matter. If you're using a word, you're using that word with a pitch, a rate, and a tone. Um, Okay, so why does paraverbal communication matter so much? Well the, the, the piece of evidence that's often cited by communication researchers is something like thirty-five to forty percent of all communication is paraverbal. And what that what that means is that thirty to forty or thirty-five to forty percent of the effect that's produced by a communicative action are the results of the pitch, tone, uh, and rate at which you say the thing and not the words themselves so this is another way in which i know that communication is not about the transmission of information because if communication were about the transmission of information the words i choose would carry the right information and that would get to the destination or not um, but what students and, and, and researchers in paraverbal communication and nonverbal communication tell us is that you know mo- that 35 to 40 percent of the effect that's produced has nothing to do with the words that you choose but everything to do with the rate the pitch and the tone that you use Um, another kind of great piece of evidence from nonverbal communication uh, scholars is the idea that um, something like 95% of conversations end the way they begin and by that they mean they end the way they begin in terms of the tone that's used to begin the conversation so if you begin a conversation with a hostile tone regardless of what words you choose the conversation will likely end in a hostile place. If you get a co- begin a conversation with a kind of collaborative tone or a tone of compromise and understanding and empathy, then odds are that conversation is going to end with a sense of empathy or collaboration or, or something like that. If you watch President Donald Trump's press conferences these days, uh, he begins the question and answer period with such a tone of hostility, they end with a tone of hostility. It's, it's a, the tone remains the same at the beginning and at the end. Uh, And that's largely because the tone has this kind of profound effect on others. Now, if I wanted to pick out three things that we often don't pay any attention to when we're communicating, it's probably pitch, rate, and tone. Uh, It's a little easier to get students to start to worry about or think about or trouble over word choice. It's a lot harder to get them to stop and think about pitch rate, and tone, uh, and be reflective about those three components of their communicative practice. And that's, I think, largely because those three components of paraverbal communication are what I would call embodied, like they're they're physical, they're part of our uh, physical, material, embodied way of being in the world. Uh, and they're component, like they're kind of components of our physical reactions to things, um, and it can be hard to slow those physical components or embodied components down and think about them before communicating. So what I mean by that is that our, our kind of embodied stance to a communicative interaction comes before our thought and then conditions our thought and our reaction to that communicative situation. And this is exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about reflective communication. So you wanna stop the kind of process of reacting to some other person or some communicative situation and start reflectively and strategically choosing how to act in response or how to respond to that situation. Well, one enormously key component of that is recognizing that your embodied sort of reaction happens in in terms of pitch tone pitch rate and tone like that's what your body does to react to a situation it uh it kind of positions you to communicate with specific kinds of pitch rate and tone and then that pitch rate and tone influences the effect or, or kind of has a, a Uh, significant determining influence on the effect of your communicative process or practice, regardless of what words you choose. So in order to become reflective practitioners of communication, we need to realize that pitch, rate, and tone are this kind of embodied stance we have in response to a communicative situation can happen as a reaction. And we need to slow that down and make it a response, kind of meaningful, thoughtful, strategic response based on the ways in which pitch, rate, and tone influence uh, that communicative interaction. So let me talk kind of briefly about what pitch, rate, and tone are. They're they're pretty simple, and then we'll talk about how to make them more reflective in your communicative practice. So pitch is real simply how high or how low your voice goes. Um, You can speak in a high pitch or kind of low bass or a baritone. Uh, Most people kind of speak someplace in between those two. Uh, If you've got a kind of squeaky, high-pitched voice, it can sometimes show or demonstrate that you're afraid. And if you have a lower-pitched voice, it can sometimes demonstrate that you're calm. Uh, lower pitch can also show some authority or anger, depending on the context. Um, You can think about pitch a little bit in the context of music. So music in hierarchies tends to denote happiness or sometimes anxiety. Music in lower keys can sometimes denote you know, calmness or drama or sadness. Uh, it's the same really with your voice. So, oftentimes when people are talking to a baby, you kind of raise your voice a couple octaves to a higher pitch because you're trying to convey happiness or friendliness. Um, but sometimes at the same time, if you're nervous before making a presentation, your voice might squeak into a kind of higher pitch also, and it might sort of show that sort of sense of nervousness. Um so if and the flip side of that is if a leader wants to stress a serious point to his audience or her audience, uh they that person tries to use a lower pitch. Um imagine if someone says everybody stay calm. If they stay in a higher pitch uh versus a lower pitch, that higher pitch could indicate that the person asking for calm is actually nervous or anxious themselves. If they say it in a lower pitch, that person saying everybody stay calm uh, can be demonstrating that calmness himself or herself. Um, And what we know from paraverbal communication is that the pitch with which everybody stay calm is said can influence the effect that that sentence has um, and not just the words being said. So if you say it with a higher pitch, you're probably not really gonna make everybody stay calm. If you say it with a lower pitch, you have a better chance of making everybody stay calm. That's what I mean when I say power of verbal communication kind of controls the effect or has a significant uh, uh, influence on, on the effect that's produced by the words you choose. Okay, so that's, um, that's pitch. Speed or, or the rate at which you speak is just simply how fast or slow you're talking. Uh, Speaking fast indicates being nervous or excitement, etc. If you're giving a presentation and you're talking really quickly without realizing it, that can show your audience that you're nervous uh, or that you're afraid and that can obviously influence the way in which your words are received. If you speak more slowly, it can show that you're calm and more in control. In fact, there's a whole. I have a whole episode planned for a few episodes from now. It's just called "Slow Down." <laughs> just um, about slowing the speed, a rate at which you speak and or write, and how important that slowing down process is, and how just being slower as a reflective practice can be helpful in lots of situations. Uh, using pauses is also another way to slow something down. Uh, it gives your listener time to ponder the words that you're using and instead of just kind of rushing through them. It gives you a sense of command or control or calmness in that situation. Um, ancient teachers of speech writing used to teach their students how to write shorter sentences so that they could be delivered more quickly or longer sentences that were delivered more slowly depending on context or occasion. So if occasions like funeral Uh, Funerals called for a kind of sad or somber tone. Uh, Speech writers taught their students how to to write longer sentences that would be delivered more slowly to kind of bring out that sadness. Uh, If you were kind of rushing to war and wanted to get people all pumped up or excited, uh, you wrote shorter sentences so that they could be delivered faster and that speed could amplify the kind of sense of excitement around something. So speed is the second component of paraverbal communication. The third component I think is the most important, um, and that's tone. And tone is a difficult concept to get your head around. um, But for me, the tone of something is the attitude displayed by the speaker to, or the writer, to their subject and to their audience. So it's the kind of demonstration of an attitude toward audience and subject matter embodied in the way you've said something. Um, So you can have a tone, you can say the same words with a tone of hostility toward your audience. Like, um, you're not a very good friend in a kind of tone of accusation and hostility. Or you can have a tone of kind of remorse or sadness Uh, with the same words, So, you know, you're not a very good friend. So that's the same sentence with two different tones to it. Uh, One is softer, the other is harsher, and the softness or the harshness has a different kind of effect on audiences. Sometimes you want a harsh tone uh, because that's the effect that you're looking to produce. Sometimes you want a softer tone. It tends to be the case that softer tones encourage people to listen to you more closely and raising your voice or harsher tones uh, come across as push tactics that lead to resistance or defensiveness Um, okay so the question becomes uh, how do you improve your power of verbal communication how do you make it reflective so the first thing to note and here i want to start with tone and work backwards Um, oftentimes, not oftentimes, always, like this is a kind of fact of human existence, we have a physiological um, affective state that exists in response to our subject and to our audience. So um, if we're talking to someone we don't like very much, physiologically, we feel that dislike in our bodies. And that physiological affective sense of dislike conditions the tone rate and pitch with which I speak to that person so and it's the same for subject matter so online learning we have to deliver all our classes online for the next little while Uh, I hate online learning I think it's stupid Uh, I think it's much much worse I can't stand claims that like online learning can replace in-classroom in activity and like be fine. It's not fine. It's horrendous to me. So I I have an existing uh, attitude toward the subject of online learning. That means that I also have a physiological, affective, kind of embodied reaction whenever the topic of online learning comes up. And, and what I'm telling you in this episode is that that physiological, affective state manifests itself. Pre-reflectively, so without even thinking, I will acquire a tone, a pitch, and a rate in my communication that um, that kind of uh, that kind of makes um, present that embodied uh, physiological affective state. So it kind of brings that that thing to the fore. So if I have disdain for a particular subject, I'm talking about the like Toronto Maple Leafs hockey team. I have disdain for the hockey team. So when I talk about the Maple Leafs, I talk about them with the embodied tone and rate and pitch of that disdain. Um, I could say the same thing about certain people who I have to talk to. So it's the same for uh, people or audiences and and subjects. So uh, the first step in becoming a reflective practitioner uh, related to paraverbal communication is to just realize that you have a pre-reflective paraverbal physiological embodied stance towards subjects and audiences and if that stance is that that embodied stance is not helpful for a communicative process if it's likely to uh, communicate a tone of for example resentment or disdain for your audience then it doesn't much matter what you have to say to that audience it doesn't much matter the content of what you're likely to say because all people will hear or react to or respond to is the tone with which you say it. Uh, in, interpersonal, inter, in interpersonal relationships, um, the most important or salient kind of embodied uh, res, embodied physiological affective state in response to a partner that is damaging is resentment. So when one partner physiological feel, physiologically feels this kind of sense of resentment toward another partner, it doesn't matter what they say. That resentment, the tone, uh, pitch, and rate with which they talk to their partner will kind of manifest that sense of resentment. And the resentment is all that the partner will hear ultimately. Uh, it will create the conditions from which that repart- that partner will react to you. Um, so, okay, the step number one in getting better at paraverbal communication is just recognizing that there is a pre reflective dimension to our embodied. Reaction or embodied physiological affective state in response to a person or a situation or a a problem or a a subject about which we're talking or about which we're communicating. Uh, Now, so what I was saying in a couple episodes ago about reflective communication is that you have to recognize that you cannot let our pre reflective embodied stance or attitude towards something condition or determine how we talk about that thing and therefore the reaction or response of the audience. it renders our words that that kind of pre-reflective physiological embodied um, paraverbal communication will influence our our influence the interaction so much that the words won't matter and all people will hear is the tone uh, or those paraverbal co- components of communication. Uh, so reflective communication is about choosing a pitch, A rate and a tone that will amplify the content of the message that you're trying to articulate or that you're trying to communicate Um, that makes your communication reflective so. um, If you really want your audience to feel optimistic uh, or hopeful for the future and you have something to tell them to make them feel hopeful for the future you undermine that attempt to making people feel hopeful by speaking too quickly or nervously, or having a tone of resentment toward your audience or toward the subject matter. If your tone is one of resentment and you want people to feel hopeful, they're only gonna hear the resentment. Uh, They're only gonna hear the tone and not the actual content of what you have to say. So reflective communication is about transforming the pre-reflective sort of embodied commitments to subject and to audience into choices strategic choices about how quickly or slowly to speak about whether to speak with a higher pitch or a lower pitch and about how to embody a certain attitude toward your subjects or or toward uh, toward your audience so if you know you're upset with your partner in an interpersonal interaction or interpersonal relationship you know you're upset with your partner um, but you're able to stop and choose a tone of forgiveness or a tone of empathy or a tone of collaboration and then speak inside that tone or with that tone, you might find a constructive path forward. If you don't stop and choose a different tone, you're more likely to speak with a tone of resentment and you can say the same sentence with a tone of resentment as you would with a tone of empathy and when you say the the sentence with the tone of resentment, all your partner will hear is resentment, and all that that will happen is that you'll you'll create a kind of more reactive, difficult, tense, anxious, argumentative, conflict-laden situation. If your partner hears the tone of empathy, even if it's the same sentence, then you can change or transform that interaction into something more constructive um, or positive moving forward. So paraverbal communication has to do with with pitch, rate, and tone, and it doesn't matter, you can say the same sentence uh, with different pitch rate and tone, and what will happen is we'll, it will cause or, or create a different reaction in your audience because it will produce different effects. And what we know is pitch rate and tone are often pre-reflectively uh, embodied by people and reflected practitioners of communication Make pitch rate and tone strategic choices instead of pre-reflective, embodied reactions to situations. That's how you you move from reacting to responding too, by by choosing a pitch rate and tone that's responsive and responsible to the audience and to the subject about which you're you're speaking, uh, and not just reactive, physiologically reactive to that audience or that that situation or that problem. Uh, so that's like a twenty-minute introduction to. Uh, to paraverbal communication you know I I think in leadership situations it's always wise to have lower tone for calmness slower uh, slower rate for uh, calmness and authority and then a tone of optimism or hope uh, or positivity if you manage those three paraverbal components of your communicative processes Odds are you're going to be a better leader or a more effective leader. At least you get people reacting the way that you want them to want them to react. Um, okay, so that's it for episode eighty-five of Now We're Talking. Um, I hope these last five episodes have really covered some pretty simple ground on simple kind of techniques or ways of becoming a more reflective communication, uh, more reflective communicator. So thanks everyone for listening. I'll be back next week with another new episode.